everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and uh, I've just got Derek Brissett with me um, this week, but you know what, Derek, I'm very excited to talk to you. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, some heartbreak, some excitement for the future, uh, squad was announced, a lot, a lot of things happened this, this past single week. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh... You know, it's one of those weeks of what an unreal, unreal rugby weekend. Um, Holy yeah. the, the super <laughs> rugby finals going on. We had a, the Lions squad announcement. We had like every single MLR game coming down to the 80th minute decided by what was it? All of the games decided by like less than four points. Yeah. Total, like the total like margin of victory was like 11 or some nonsense. Yeah. It was super low. Um, that, yeah, just. It's the kind of the weekends. It's probably one of the best weekends the MLR has had. Just as far as like game excitement, every game came down to it. Obviously, you had the big, you know, the big Rooney over LA kind of upset too to add to that intrigue. And the Eastern Conference is just, just madness right Insane. now. It's yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. Well, I want to start with with some congratulations first. Um, I want to congratulate. Uh, Canada's um, women's curling program. Oh, okay. So the world championships uh, wrapped up this weekend and the team of Carrie Anderson, who won the Scotties this year, actually back-to-back champions uh, helped qualify Canada for the Beijing Olympics by placing, uh, getting herself into the playoffs. Um, What is really impressive about uh, them managing to make that happen is that at one point they were one in five. Oh, well, and managed to uh, pull their socks up and, and, and Carrie and her team talked about this is actually really kind of sad is that they had been in the, and if anyone's not familiar with what's been going on with, with curling in Canada is basically they have been working uh, with the bubble in Calgary out of um, of the Olympic park. So Carrie, except for two tournaments, which were the men, the men's Canadian championship, the Briar, and then the men's world championship, has been away from her family for almost two months. Like she has been in the Scotties, the mixed doubles championships, which she also won with Brad Gushu. And so she's actually leaving like today to go to Scotland for those championships. She was in two, uh, they're called the grand slam. So basically like a, a week long tournament. So that was two weeks where she was away from her family. So just think about that. Like you are gone from your family for like almost two months. And and the worst part is like, like the Toronto arrows get to go out into the, into, you know, the, the Atlanta community, they get to go to baseball games, they're golfing, they're swimming in muddy, muddy rivers. Well, not these, anymore. There was the snake, right? So not anymore. Cause the snake, that's true. Uh, the, these uh, curlers were st- stuck in their hotel room. Like they had a hard bubble. Like they were not allowed to leave the hotel room except for their games. So, they talked about how tough this was mentally for them, you know, not being able to see your family, you know, not being able to talk to fans, you know, the, 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 the Briar and the Scotties are infamous for their parties, which curlers get to go and talk to the fans and have drinks with them and see live bands after their games and stuff like that and sign autographs. There's none of that this year. And so they felt really downtrodden going down one and five and they managed to turn it around and, and make make the playoffs and unfortunately uh they they lost to a a very strong uh, sweden team that uh 
um, it's always qualified. It's always Sweden. I mean, always Sweden. this that Sweden team is the they're the the range. Was oh, it actually always Sweden? Medal. I was just. I was it's just always like, Sweden. Oh yeah, Sweden. Anna, the, oh, wow. the team Anna Hasselborg's team is like the best in the world. Like they won the last uh, Olympic gold in Pyeongchang. So, uh, congratulations to Team Anderson. I, I I don't know what the intersection of curling fans and rugby fans are with this podcast, but <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's, it's it's just another amazing if, story. If it's big, we are the podcast for you, and uh, there you it's go. niche. And and you know what? We're we're actually going to talk about kind of uh, mental health and bubbles and, and actually how it affects the Toronto arrows later, because um, Brian Ray did an amazing interview with um, Lucas Rumble and Chris Silverthorne about this. And, you know, the arrows are now after their loss on the weekend, three and five, and they are really feeling it. So we'll, we'll talk about that later, but I want to kind of get into some of the big news. And uh, as you can tell by my sweater that I'm wearing today, I want to talk to you, Derek, about the British and Irish Lions squad, you know, who, who's surprised and who are you excited to see? Uh, from um, this lineup, I just I just want to know how sad you are that Johnny Sexton's not on the team. Like, I love Johnny Sexton. You know, uh, I think I think he gets a little bit bad rep for complaining, which you know, most captains and fly halves tend to do a lot of that. But you know what? I'm I'm not shocked and I'm not upset that he's not on this team. I think that there are other fly halves um, that are a little bit more in form and also not injury prone. I mean, Dan Bigger got a little hurt in his game so hopefully he's okay uh but yeah no i am i'm okay with it yeah big, big, like bigger Farrell and uh russell's pretty yeah uh, i mean then russell to me is is the obvious choice like like the guys he's, he's, he's fun, a magician yeah, he's and, and and you put like i think what they're probably gonna do is they're probably put owen Farrell at 12 so you've got kind of the more steady defensive minded you know strong kicking game of owen Farrell at 12 and then you got Finn Russell running around doing whatever the hell he wants. Like, I think that's just a fun combination to me. The biggest thing that upset me was, is some of the decisions they made at lock. Um, I'm really surprised to not see James Ryan in the, in the squad. And you know what? Like I, I like nothing against like Johnny Hill. Like I think that, I think that maybe Ian Henderson maybe shouldn't have been picked. Like I think that I think that James Ryan offers a little bit more than Ian Henderson does. Like I I and, and like th- you know thank God for Squidge Rugby he made a really cool video about some of the decisions that they made. Um you know like wh- why they picked Bundyaki, Chris Harris, um Elliot Daly like you know they they definitely like had certain decisions that went with the game plan but I look at Ian Henderson uh you know a, a strong ruck arrivals great in the set piece especially in the lineouts. And I think, what does he have that, you know, James Ryan just had has had a little bit of bad luck with with injury the last, you know, year. And can be it then. I guess, but that, that you, seems like a you shame. Said, you just said you didn't want sexting because he gets hurt all the time, right? Yeah, he's there's a difference between like a 24-year-old getting had a, having bad luck and a 37-year-old who like, I swear to God, he's probably like the Tim man every time he hits the pitch. I wonder if you hear metal every time he moves. I, I, Lock, lock on the Lions is tough though. Like if to to crack, I mean, you you already have uh, like Alan Wynn Jones, Marowatoje, Courtney Lock. Yeah, like, you, got, you got three spots are locked up, no matter what you do, anyways, right? It's basically uncontested three lock spots. So, mm-hmm. um, I thought Sam Simmons making it. The chaos person in me likes that. That's funny. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I was like Eddie Jones. I, I I wish I saw Eddie Jones' reaction. Like reading, reading the squad list. 
to see Sam Simmons. That's fun. Kyle Sinkler uh, not making it and then putting in like one of the best games he's ever played in the Premiership or whatever immediately yeah. after. Um, yeah, because like Andrew Porter, like Andrew Porter, and they also picked um, Xander Ferguson, who I, I actually I really enjoy watching Xander Ferguson yeah. play. But I'm like, you're gonna pick those two guys over Kyle Sinkler, like. Yeah, they got Luke Luke Cowan Dickey's been really good for Max he's been really good. I mean, he, he kind of took in certain games the starting jersey Jamie over George. from Jamie George. Like, All the well rested Saracens. Yeah. Or the fresh Saracens coming off destroying yeah. championship teams now that they've actually settled into that league a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 definitely an interesting lineup. Like again, there's like things like Gareth Davies, like has he been really in fine form enough? Luis Jack Conan. Coming in though, he gets the Louis Rezamit. That's exciting. I'm excited about Todd Byrne. Like he is an absolute monster. Um, I've thought more about Bundyaki. I'm okay with that decision. I I hate not seeing Gary Ringrose, but uh, I I get why they picked guys like um, Elliot Daly over Gary Ringrose. They want versatility in their lineup. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be really really interesting. But I thought that it was fun. And you know, maybe maybe we have to have Brian Ray on soon to talk about his um, the Wolverines article that he wrote because that was pretty cool. I, I'd like to pick his brain about it, and maybe maybe we can do something about that. But um, a, lot of, a lot of American players on that, though. A lot of American players. Well, I mean, I makes make, makes really me nervous because they have to play them soon. So yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that, Canada also announced their summer test series. Um, they have Wales on July the third and England July tenth. Um, the USA actually also plays on July 3rd against England. And then they will also play Ireland, which I, I, I think they played on the 10th as well, or maybe 11th, but how do we feel about these games being so close together at the start of the test window? You know, we, we don't think that, that uh, we, we haven't gotten the official dates for the, the world cup qualifiers for Canada and the U S um, later though, be after later. It'll be later in the summer, maybe start of the fall. Um, so they're going to play two, high intense test series or test matches and then have a month, maybe two month long gap. Well, not really like you probably go back to MLR or whatever. So, you know, you know yeah. it's, not like, it's not like you're going to be off. I mean, at least the, the guys that are on playoff teams will go back. To exactly. MLR. But, and, and you know, the, or maybe yeah, so really, what's the ti- what's I mean, the, the, regular like season, the, last... the regular season goes until July the 18th. July 18th. Yeah. So, so like- for, for the arrows, um, they'll, they'll be missing players for their match against old glory. Well, you're probably missing more than more than that. I would imagine they're not just going to pick a. Oh yeah, that's true. They'll pick, they'll have people. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. That makes, yeah. You're but right. Yeah. Every, I mean, every, every team, every team's going to be down a couple of guys um, mm-hmm. for, you know, probably the, uh, the most important stretch of the season. And um, as much as like, like that is the thing. It's like on one hand, I'm super excited to see Canada and the United States for that matter, take on, you know, legit tier one competition, the um, England, Wales. And then for our friends South of the border, they get Ireland too. Uh, it, it is really cool. It's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts the MLR season because you're going to get for sure. Basically every team will be without their, some of their best players for, a very important time in the season, especially in the Eastern conference where we have now seen over the first eight weeks, how tight that conference is. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, every game's going to be important. So 
you know, it, it might be one of those things where it comes down to, um, you know, at the end of the season, you know, maybe it'll be one of those things where maybe the best team doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily get there, but the, uh, the deepest team might be able to uh, be the one that prevails this year. So that, that depth is going to be key, especially when you, you know, it gets to the playoff push. And, you know, I think, I think that that timeline probably allows players to return for the playoffs, but the thing with the playoffs is, is you got to get there first. So it'd be nice to have your internationals back for the playoffs, but if you're not there, then. You know, it's interesting. Let's, so let's, let's look at the arrows arrows lineup for um, their pre their last game against rugby ATL. Um, they're going to probably have Cole Keith, yeah. Andrew Quatrin, Lucas Rumball, Ross Brody, Higgins, Higgins, Ben Lesage, Patrick Parfrey, oh, Parfrey yeah. Will Kelly, maybe. Yeah. So that's seven guys. But then, but then you know the, the hardest hit part for for the arrows will be at the prop position, losing Quatrin, uh, losing uh, Cole Keith, and then and then you know you still got Jack McRogers that can swap in at at hooker. I mean, then they're running into their whole maybe. Well, yeah, but that's the thing, though, right? It's like if if Quatrin goes, then Jack. Jack I hope Jack McRogers cardio is good. Um, yeah, well, I mean, he already played an eighty minute well, game this year. This yeah, but he's season. he's got up. Yeah, like uh, yeah, Quatrin um, being gone would hurt. Um, Quatrin deserves to go. So I mean, that's that's yeah. that's just a, something that the arrows might have to deal with. No, so they might um, bring both of them. Like that's that's the scary thing, right? Is 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 McRogers has played really well this season. But like the, the, my point I'm bringing up is, you know, I think that the arrows have again, it's a long time from now. Like we've got two months from now. Uh, but you know, we we've got some depth in some of those key positions. You know, we do have um some some uh some guys like Colby Francis. You know, uh, Siaki Vikilani once he's uh, coming back from the injury reserve. Hey, he, um, he was at the uh, the November camp too, man. He might who knows yeah. where who knows he where might he might be going to. Yeah, uh, but Mar- Marcello it, it Wainwright. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Kingsley Jones goes about picking this squad. picking these guys. It'll also be very interesting to see how like um, Gary Gold goes about picking his squad too, because this like the fact that it's like you're probably not really getting like a full camp to like what they're used to right because like the major league rugby season in a normal year you know is designed to or at least the intention designing the schedule into 2020 was like that the season would be done before the test window everybody mm-hmm. you know everyone all, everyone should be available the season then you can go do your international camp and then you can go to the you know play your your test matches against whoever um, but this year it's like, they don't really have that. So it's going to be kind of interesting. It'll almost be like, I feel like this is kind of also, it'll be closer to like watching, like how hockey Canada picks like their teams where it's literally just like the coaches are just like, we just will scout and watch NHL games and be like, who's playing the best in the NHL games. And we, you know, stick them together and hope it works out. Um, for sure. Right. And, and that's, my, that's kind my, of what you have to bring up this, this whole lineup thing is I don't think that the arrows are again injury permitting you yeah. know maybe they sign some guys i don't think that they're in that rough of a shape like i think they've got guys that 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 they've picked up and 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 guys that have been coming off the benches and stuff like that that could fill in those key spots and then even if you look at like some of those their their important like positions you, know, you got cortez de la vega diana 
Adams, Montero, uh, Tuchelet, Miras, Levis. Like you've got a lot of international guys that aren't going to be capped for these these games. No, oh, yeah, that are going to you know slot in. Now again, I don't know what Uruguay is doing with their qualifier situation. That might be later in the summer as well, so we might not have to worry about it. But you know, it is uh, it's exciting to kind of actually have something to look forward to for 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 the uh, the rug- the Canada Senior Men's Rugby Program. Um, my, my question to you is who is somebody that you're excited to, to, you know, maybe be a bolter on this, this squad. You know, we've seen a couple of young Canadians in MLR. We've got a couple of uh, young Canadians overseas that are uh, kind of making their impressions in the top 14 and other leagues. Who's someone that, you know, we might not have seen maybe from the world cup that, that you have your, you know, your radar on. You kind of mentioned one guy already in the Gilani, but. Yeah, I think if you're looking overseas right now, Persilier and Duguid, um, who I think Duguid had his what second straight top second 14? straight start start in the top fourteen. Like he was he was he was paired with a a French like starter. Yeah, I mean I think Yeah, I think if you're a Canadian rugby fan for internationals, like those two guys are like the one A one B of like your hope right now um i think um yeah i mean i don't i don't even really think no of no if i need to elaborate on this i mean how is the answer not for silly and do good right now um ml as far as like mlr guys go though um i think you know quinn nawadi on rooney right now i think he's making a real good case to uh put himself into uh in the selection for for a squad in the summer Mm-hmm. And man, there's there's a, there's a lot of Canadians that are, have been playing quite well. I just yeah, was, like Lockie Lockie Kratz. I really want to see how the rest of his his season goes. Yeah, yeah he's had a he's had a good first two games in, in Major League Rugby. Um, you know that and uh, no Nawadi though, like even like in in this loss again, like he's always one of Rooney's like top guys for like meters carried. He's doing well to like make his tackles and it's uh. You know, he, he's been impressive, kind of has that ability to uh, now, I guess the ability now to play more than one position too. So that versatility is nice. Um, you know, I like, I, I, I think that's kind of where I'm at. As like, I think at the stage where rugby cannon is, I want to see like some of those new guys, the younger guys get shots sure. at, um, you know, at, at earning like, you know, spots, uh, you know, whether it's like, you know, just for the World Cup qualifiers against the US- United States or like kind of like a more big picture kind of four year plan idea. For sure. but... Yeah, it is a shame with with the, the Olympics being postponed um, to this year that we don't have some of those young sevens players who are crossovers from the 15s program not playing like Brock Webster is someone that I've kind of been really excited to see in a, in a 15s program. Um, since you know his days with the U20s, and he's been part of the sevens program for a long period of time, um, I always kind of seen him and, and and Will Kelly as being the two guys that are going to kind of battle it out for that Canada ten jersey for the foreseeable future. Um, so I'm sad that you know with the way the things line up, he's not going to be able to take part. Same thing with Andrew Coe and Theo Sauter. I loved Theo Sauter um, when he was with the Arrows, and also with Rugby Canada. You know prior to um, the, the World Cup. Um, Andrew Coe, I think, is just an incredible finisher. We saw it at the World Cup. He can get it done. I want to see what he can do again for the 15s program. 
I wish that Cole Davis was getting more of an opportunity, uh, honestly, with Austin, um, because I really liked what he saw, what I saw from him at the beginning of the season. And I think that he was just a casualty of some bad games from Austin. And since then, you know, hasn't really gotten a whole much more of an opportunity. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's just, you know, maybe, I don't know what the coaching decision is. I don't know if it's effort. I, you know, there were some injuries as well at wing. Um, they, they seem to reward, uh, reward some guys based on, you know, performances coming off the bench or previous games. So hopefully we'll see Cole I mean, again in the lineup because with Austin too, like Jeff Hassler's status now becomes a lot more interesting knowing that there's some big international test matches lined up for. Yeah, for sure. For and, you know, too, looking but... at their, uh, that, uh, um, the Gilgronies, uh, Instagram, it looks like there, he still has a brace on his arm. So, oh yeah, I haven't seen him. Yeah, yeah. Is that they, from today they, or from today? Yeah, they were. Uh, you know what? They might have been posting old video, but on their 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 feed today, they were sharing some videos of them doing some fun kind of uh, like promo stuff, and he was still wearing a, a, a cast. So yeah, hopefully think, we'll. Uh, see. Yeah, it'll, it'll, that's that's going to be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting to see. Like, I think there's both like the excitement of playing legit, like the tier one nations of you know, Wales and England, um, you know, who might be down some of their Lions guys, but beyond the Lions guys, it's going to be like the full proper Wales and England, right? Not like an England A or anything, but just... Um, like some of the lineups people were making for like their, for like England, it's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, damn, this is yeah. going to gonna hurt it's so bad. Still, yeah, it's still... England, especially like, I mean, when we talk about some of the cuts, it's like, yeah, they're going to have like Kyle Sinclair and you know, probably yeah. Billy Vinopolo or yeah. something. Too. And uh, Marcus Smith. Yeah, no, they'll be they just absolutely had the game of a game of his life over the weekend. They went to the uh, they went to the World Cup final, Dan. They're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty damn good. Pretty and then good. the other the champ. other team is the Six Nations Re- champs. Here, though, so. real. <laughs> yeah. Realistically, though, I think like is not the most fascinating, like maybe not the most fascinating story. But Rob Howley's first test match is going to be against Wales. Mm-hmm. Like his first test match with Canada is going to be against Wales. That's like, so when people talk about, and like, and I, I want people to remember this, when we talk about the impact of international coaches coming into programs like Canada, this is why I want people to remember that. Like, that's what you get. That's one of the benefits of having guys that have been part of other national programs are, are international coaches. Like they're going to bring in these relationships. So we have opportunities to play teams like, England and Wales. I mean, part of what Wales said was their relationship with, with um, Rob and uh, Kingsley is Jones, one of the reasons why they did this. Um, did you see what uh, Eddie Jones said in the Canada, the rugby Canada press? No, I did not. Talked about t- was uh, talking about how big of a rival, uh, how Canada is a traditional rival for England. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, they used to do the Churchill Cup all the time. Are we so. a rival for England, Moldan? Or traditional traditional can mean decades, Derek. Not not currently, We're, but England traditional, us, you know. English England beats us so bad we still have the queen on our money. Like, <laughs> no, we're just like the lazy layabout sons that just <laughs> were forced to move out. I just I, I liked how uh, that's the best like analogy how, I find. I just like about, how Eddie Jones apparently views us in the same light as like Ireland and France and that, but that doesn't bode well for us. It means that they're going to be motivated, which is horrifying thought. Yeah, there we go. Um, One of the sad things that, that, uh, at least for for Derek Stu and I, that we we got as a tidbit about uh, these um, 
these test matches is that the England match was going to be in Toronto uh, before yeah. COVID got its greasy little hands. We kind of know that though. Like it wasn't the original. We did, but like, it was now confirmed by rugby. Sad Canada. that it was in Toronto, man. Just... Yeah, because we could have gone to that, and that would have been awesome. Is, and is there anything stopping us from going to to Wales right now? Yeah, money. Well, other than money. Oh, other than the other fact than that I would have to pay hundreds of dollars, when I would probably only have to pay like a fraction of that. Yeah. I don't even remember what my tickets were for against Leinster. Like you're you're a big time podcast host, then. Like why? What, oh why? yeah, I'm yeah, raking in the raking dough in my. Right? Yeah, that's exactly it. All right. Well, you know what? Let's let's move on after that. Ridiculous I see that jersey claim. collection behind you, man. I know you got money. Um. Uh. Part of my stu- uh, student membership dues. Student I stole membership that from dues. my yeah, club. That's, that's a lot of money, Dan. Yeah, like that's student debt. Um, <laughs> gift, gift, and I bought the one at the Wolfpack game. So, okay, maybe two out of the five I I paid for myself. So you're 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 ha- you're, you're almost almost right. There you go. That's uh that Quinn Nawadi jersey still uh still <laughs> looking sharp behind there. <laughs> All right. Well, we've we've delayed talking about this this heartbreaker of a game long enough derek so let's get into this well i we didn't i didn't delay this our initial plan was i've been delaying to start this. talking about the arrows game and then you just for somehow derailed it with curling um which i'm sure everybody <laughs> loves curling um the lions the test matches all, all um, what else, did you, what else do you want to derail it did shall, shall we humble brag that the toronto maple leafs are officially the best hockey team in canada now um, yes, very much so. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. Exactly. Toronto Maple Leafs, best hockey team in Canada. We'll, uh... Humble break to all you Western Canadians listening to this. Sorry about your luck about Vancouver and Calgary. Who have to play the most meaningless hockey. Yeah, like one of their games is at like one o'clock. What is the point? What is the point to any of these games? They're both eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> like save the their poor bodies. Like if one of those teams was destroyed by COVID. It's like, like give them some time. It's gotta off. be one of those games where guys just be like, okay, like let's just no hits. No one gets hurt. <laughs> All right, guys, this is an all-star game. Let's just yeah, not let's just hit no each other. No hits. Let's if just... we have a fight, let's do a fake fight like yeah. uh Patrick Kane and uh, uh John Scott from a few years ago. Let's yeah. let's take it easy peasy. We got a tea time and uh <laughs> what time's the game? One o'clock. We got a tea time at five, boys. Let's go. Let's just let's get out of here quick. All right. Well, you know what? Um the arrows lost. And it was a heartbreaker, thirty-three to twenty-nine. Boy, Derek, I'm still hurt about it. You know, like the arrows this year have had some matches that have like been really disappointing. You know, I think back to that Utah game. Uh, that was a really disappointing game. Um, the the second half of their first game against Atlanta was disappointing. Um, the 20 minutes where they lost to L that 20 minute, you know, uh, 10 minutes gong show. That was, uh, the LA game was disappointing. This, I don't think that this game really, like, I don't think the arrows did a whole lot. That was bad. You know, we had a discussion on, on like our, our message about how, like maybe the arrows weren't reacting, um, the most efficiently against, um, Atlanta's rush defense, but, but then at the that end, the conversation the game, was at halftime. And then, and then it, it you know, <laughs> so if you, they did, and which is great. Um, if you look at the stats, like carrying meters, um, Atlanta had 75 more meters and that, you know, 
again, might like come to the fact that they were kind of feeding Toronto well, their well, lunch. He had that big, uh, that big, like big quick run. turnover trap. Which I want to talk about him later. Um, but the arrows had more line breaks. Um, they handled their lineout well. They had uh, three more lineout wins. Um, they conceded only one more penalty than uh, Atlanta. Um, they they held fifty four percent of the possession. They had they made less tackles. Now I don't have tackles missed. I have that. Do you want that? Yeah, sure. Tell me how did did now all I see right now is that um, Atlanta had to make seven more tackles. What was their tackle percentage? Yeah, so Atlanta Atlanta had one hundred and thirty seven tackles to Toronto's one hundred and thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta missed 21 Toronto missed 25 so if you're looking at a percentage that's 87 for Atlanta and 84 for Toronto okay. so yeah like a 3% difference in tackles so like that's not egregious um, now the big the big key here is that um, Atlanta had 57% of the if you want to add on to the tackles thing Tommy Della Vega once again made the most tackles yeah. Wasn't a hundred percent this time though, because Jason Dom ran over him for that one try, and um, so it wasn't a hundred percent this time. Um, Shepard was a hundred percent with eleven tackles. Um, so he, and he so you know the best tackle percentage. And then uh, Retta Lingheis and Heaton both had thirteen tackles um, for rugby ATL. Yeah, um, and then yeah, uh, I think the big the big tell was the the territory which uh, Atlanta had 57% of the territory. And again, that might be because of the first half, first half where the, first the arrows half. could not get anything going other than their two kind of spark crazy tries that they got. Um, so yeah, like I, I want to hear your opinion about this, Derek, but to me, yeah, that, that game really hurt. And I think that uh, Manuel Diana is going to remember that game for the rest of his life. Because man, that was a really, really bad decision at the end of the game. But I, I'm, I'm happy with the rebound that they had in the second half. It's just they, they that it was a bonehead decision that that Ooh. they had to pay for, and you know, is I see like see, he ran away thing. from his support. Like he, see, he, here's here's my whole thing is like I think sometimes in sports like media fans everyone's always just want to be like what did you do wrong on that play without being willing to recognize the thing that the other team did right on like if you like did diana run too far away from the support maybe but matt heaton started in the same spot as lucas rumble ross deacon started in the same spot they were both in that scrum and they beat Rumble and Della Vega and Roland or whoever else was in that scrum, they beat them over to Diana. Yeah, that's fair. But, but like it's it's a the, good play. Commentators man. also talked about like you could see that the, the, the backs lineup was set for like a certain play, and Diana yeah. didn't didn't get that moving. Like that that was it was on him that he was there was something that he was supposed to do that didn't happen. And then you're right. I I like you gotta give props to Atlanta's defense that has been there was there all game except for you know a good portion of the second half. Yeah, like they they put in the work to make that turnover happen. Which, but vice versa, we got it. The the blame needs to go somewhere, right? Like there at the end of the day, a mistake was made. 
on top of the fact that that there was some extremely strong defense. Yeah, there was. I thought like the arrows. I think that was that was the one thing with that with that play. If we're just gonna, I mean, I guess we might as well start. We'll start with the end of the game, mm-hmm. um, because obviously we're gonna start with the ending of this game. Um, the I thought the, the end of the game was really exciting. Like everything that happened after Taylor Adams got the go ahead penalty there. Um, but yeah, I thought like Toronto's defense throughout the game was great. Uh, Rugby ATL's defense throughout the game was great too. Mm-hmm. Um. It's kind of just it's just one of those games where it's like the both teams really brought like the physicality and you know it it, it was tough for the like for the uh for the offenses of both teams man like there was a lot of time with the game kind of being played like sort of in the middle of the pitch where you know one team would try to attack and then they'd kick it kick it away once they couldn't get anywhere the other team would you know do the same thing and you know, I think like at the end of the game, right? Like when rugby ATL was down and they knew you can't kick it back to Toronto because you can't risk not being able to get the ball back. Like the arrows defense was amazing. And you can just watch, you know, watch rugby ATL just go backwards, right? Like the arrows eventually, it was probably like what a good 20, 25 meters that the arrows were able to push rugby ATL backwards. They ended up on the wrong side of the halfway line at one point. And then, you know, Petzer, you know, tried, tried to run. And I think it was Spencer Jones and Tyler Rowland that had a really nice tackle that jarred the ball loose, created the knock on, which ultimately led to that scrum where, you know, Deanna as you know, where Deanna kind of, you know, pulled out and ran a little too far away and allowed um, Heaton and Deacon to kind of get that steal. And then, but it was like, that, that was, it was really good defense for the, like that, like three minutes. It was exactly what you want to put the arrows in a position to win the game. And then I think, I think that's the thing that's that I think would be like the disappointing element is that, you know, after that Roland Jones tackle that forces that knock on with only like, you know, what would it what it would have been like 45 seconds left with when that scrum yeah. actually happened something like that and you know i thought and it was just like yeah like like you said diana diana does run too far away i'm not really necessarily trying to say that he doesn't run away from the support but no, i think you're I right think i don't think it's and the it's, only problem with that no it, but i think you're right and i think it's and, like it's a good I, I want to go back to good i want to go back to deacon yeah stuff, but i want to go back to um the, the the article that brian ray wrote about interviewing the arrows uh yeah, the press conference yeah they talk about how physically exhausted they are yeah and and you saw it in lucas rumble in, in the second half like he is putting his body on the line he has been on the on the the, the floor no, I, lucas a Rumble, lot rumble's been the best games. player on the team over the course of the year i think and i i think that you what you mentioned about heaton and and deacon being there first i think it's it's the guys are exhausted almost every team has now had a bye week except for the arrows and san diego think, and san diego which are the two teams that are like i think probably need the bye week the most right now yeah they, oh, and, and they talk san about that like, just the amount of injuries that that team yeah, has is staggering then they're bringing in former eagles that like you know, haven't played high level rugby in a little bit. Like it's, it's starting uh, to get, you they, know. they need to, they're like two more injuries away from just using tackling dummies. Yeah. Like it's... Um, yeah. So I really don't think there's much more to say about that, that the, finish. Yeah. The finish. Yeah. It was just, 
it is what it is. Good on Atlanta I, for you know you win win the line out, um, which was something that they they kind of struggled with throughout the game. Um, yeah. Della Vega especially kind of was causing a lot of mayhem for them. Um, so for sure, like they 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 did manage to win it and then kind of grinded it out. And it's you know Deacon eventually hopped over man of the match performance with uh, only fifteen minutes of work. So a bit of an efficient night for Mister Deacon. Um, so, so Derek, my question to you now is, um, who is what was something that worked well for the arrows? What were, you know, I think we talked about how they 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 changed their and and for me one of the big things is again we mentioned it already the the change in their their strategy in terms of dealing with rugby ATL's rush defense is is a big one for yeah. me is that they, it really seemed that they. Their their tactical kicking and and just the way how they're getting their the arrows have their best success when they are kicking tact uh, their tactical kicking is is on point and when they're getting the ball out wide and using those those strong wingers and backs to move the ball around and stretch the defense because when you're stretching that defense especially with a team like rugby ATL they're not going to be able to get you know their rush defense set as quickly yeah and also you know they're going to have to spread evenly and when you have rush defense, you need to have, you know, two other guys or three other guys with you on that line. And, and I think that they did a much better job with that in the second half and it opened up opportunities for them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they, yeah, the second half was definitely much better. Um, The first, the first half was tough. Cause it was like, it was kind of, it was, it was kind of a weird half in a way where, um, you know, rugby ATL controlled most of the possession, most of the territory, their, their defense, their line speed was unreal. Um, like it was so fast. Full credit to, to, to rugby yeah. ETL in that in that sense. Like it was amazing. It was it That's seemed the, like every time, and I also think just like they're just they're constant ruck arrivals as well. Like it always seemed like Ross Brody was in distress trying to get that ball out of the ruck. Yeah, the arrows quick ball percentage in this game was forty six. Like it's it like Mar like Marno Reda Langhais Heaton. Like I think they're like, I think what helps make rugby ETL so good. At doing that too is it's like when they hit those rocks man like they hit them hard like it's not yeah they're not they're not hitting it yeah. just to like make a presence known they're hitting it to try and cause a turnover yeah they, like they yeah exactly they hit they hit hard and you know i thought like the physicality that they brought in the first half i think rumball kind of alluded to it in the press conference too was like they weren't like i don't want i don't want to say them like I, I mean go back and listen to what he actually said but it was like it was something that they you know they kind of you know, we're surprised by a little bit, I think was like how physical they came out, how like the line speed was amazing. Like, I think that's probably one of the fastest defensive lines I think I've seen in an MLR game. And, and you know what? And I think, and it, it was interesting though, too, because it was like Toronto's two tries, which both came with Quatrin still in the bin, right? It was like, like they couldn't really get much going offensively in the first half, right? And their two tries were, um, the Mike Shepard charge down, which apparently is Mike Shepard's specialty now. Um, just charge down tries. I don't. He leads the league with two. Um, I think as James <laughs> uh, James Delay said, he. Uh, I don't think anybody else in the league has one. So um, good, good for Mike Shepard, man. You found your niche. Carve it out. Do it well. Charge, charge down. <laughs> the beautiful beard and and, and charging down. Uh, yeah. Kicks for tries. Hey man, it worked. But but dude, man, you could see like after that try though, like guys like like because especially Carl say because he was the guy that gave it up. 
or whatever. It's like when they had the ball, like within like their, behind their 10, it was like, they were like hesitant to kind of like kick that out. It looked like it kind of gotten like a couple of the back three guys heads a little bit um, that they're going to give up a try with that. And then obviously you had Ben Lesage's try too, which was a really like, it was kind of a weird play because Montero kicks it over and then the ball kind of bobbles around a little bit. Carl say scoops it up and then just throws like this horrible pass to, I guess no one in particular, or like it was just way, it was way too high to be to like the closest guy that was there. Um, and then Levis just picks it up. Levis Mirai's it's a, it's a nice try, but it's, it was one of those, it was like one of the few times in the first half where Atlanta's yeah. defense never got the chance to reset. Right. And now as I think that was part of like with their, like how hard they were hitting the rucks when Atlanta's defense reset, it took away, like the moment they reset, that's when their line speed was able to be used to its fullest potential. And when it was, that's when like they were able to stop Toronto's attack. And then I said, I thought like Pete Smith's like attack structure and design in, you know, in the second half, um, you know, really kind of shined a little bit. I thought it was great. It was nice to see like, you know, how, you know, faced with a challenge, it's like the Toronto Arrows could like look at him and be like, all right, how are we adapting this attack? And, you know, as, um, as they were talking about in that press conference. And I, I, sorry, I got to say poor, poor Derek, because, you know, Stu and I are, are, you know, like chicken little, like on, on the, the Facebook messengers going, this is awful. Like that half was garbage. Like <laughs> the arrows didn't do anything. They have no way to react to that. They need to do this, this, and this. And Derek's like, you know, a little bit more level-headed and he's trying to, you know, be like, okay, well, it wasn't that bad. And we're like, what do you mean it wasn't bad? And he's just like, well, they got to do this. And we're like, yeah, but they need to do this. So if, uh, you know, I, I don't think anything that, that Stu and I said were, were wrong, but like, we definitely were just, it was just a, a like a right off of like, of an impulse. Like it was just off of our chest, like, it's again the garbage spew. I think though, I think what you, what you guys were saying in that group chat, though, it goes back to what I was saying with that, that, Deanna play at the end of the game it's like part of that you guys were like oh like the attack's not doing much and i'm like rugby atl's defense is playing very well right now yeah right it's like it's not it's not for a lack of trying or it's like it's um like sometimes sometimes the other team's playing well and that's why you can't do what you want to do sure. but that's why i really enjoyed the second half though especially the taylor adams chip kick over the top um, because rugby ATL's line speed quickly looked like the Looney Tunes when they're trying to stop as they're running really fast. Yeah. And it's just the full pull up on the heels. It's got like the tire <laughs> thing. Yeah. That's what the entire rugby ATL backline did when they looked like when they realized, oh, that ball's behind us all of a sudden. And, you know, Van Voot, full credit to Rory Van Voot, though, man. He made a full effort to try to get back on Mirez. Um, that was like he he turned around real quick and took off for sure. And uh, you know that was, he he almost got there. That would have been a hell of a tackle. But um, but it was like I think though if you kind of watch the rug like the arrows possessions after they did that, it mm -hmm. kind of like the the rugby until line speed wasn't quite the same. After it's like, yeah, well, you, they had second thoughts, right? Yeah, like, you put like that. are they going to squib kick this? Are they going to boot it? You know, are they going to yeah. stretch it wide? It, it became a more multifaceted offense, exactly. which really, yeah, exactly. And when, and when you're doing rush, 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 it's 
you you open yourself up in different ways. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. And You're right. they, were, they were able to use use the the kicking a little bit more, especially since as um you know part of that line speed. Like I think you mentioned it earlier already, Dan. It's like yeah, they put an extra guy up there, right? So that means there's space behind the line, right? So you can use that, and but then you would have like after they did that, it's like yeah, like they started opening up. Like okay, we're gonna skip a couple guys with passes, go out wide. You know, inside balls to kind of, yeah. you know, try to beat that line speed too. And a lot of that stuff started working. And like, it almost worked really well because they got Tommy Della Vega on the wing with no defense or like, uh, I guess they beat the overlap. Right. And then it was just, he stepped out of bounds or, you know, he, st- he caught the ball with his heel on the touchline. And, you know, it's, a, a game of a game of inches sometimes right so like that could have been that could have maybe been a try there like i mean if if that if that play goes on like you know it's a arrows probably leave leave uh atlanta with a win or stay in atlanta yeah. with a win i guess um but yeah so so i thought so, that did well the other thing that i think did really well too and I only really want to mention it because we've kind of been ripping on it a lot. Lineup was good. Yeah, lineup was, was very good. And again, they really struggled against to me. And just going off of my memory now, um, it didn't seem like they had a very good game against a rugby tail in the first game in the lineout. Again, someone Ooh, I could pull that correct up. Correct me. Pull it up for me while yeah. while I'm kind of talking about it. And I, I think that they had a, a much better game today. I think that. Yeah. Um, flesh has been has been really really uh, important in this lineout. Della Vega is continuing to. Della Vega um, had a couple steals. Be really really uh, impressive. I mean, man in the mat or uh, part of uh, the MLR team of the week. You know, he, he earned that number six jer- jersey. So, um, yeah, very happy with with um, his performance. Um, so Derek, while you're looking that up, I want to say that we're not. I don't think we need to look on what needs improving this week because again. I think that there was just one bad decision that that kept well, the arrows away from from a win. What I want to look there, at though there, is, there's, I mean, there's always stuff that you can improve. Though I think, I think the big thing right now for the arrows is, you know, it it, it is kind of does feel like another game where it's like your one of your halves is significantly better than your other half. Yeah. Right. It's so it's like you, you definitely got to work on that full, like I guess putting in like if you can if the arrows can put a full 80 minute performance together. I think we've seen like what a full, well, I mean, Rooney got to see what a full 80 minute arrows performance looks like. Yeah. It's um, like, that's, you're not even, you're not coming close to touching it. Yeah. Rooney Seattle got to see with the full 80 minutes. And it's like, you're not gonna, like, you're not going to touch them if, if they're able to do that. Um, But yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, it's, yeah, I thought like I thought for the most part it was like it, I feel like I honestly I feel like this is one of those games where it's like you know sometimes sometimes you really like you you play bad and you like really like you lose and you can look at the game and be like mistake there mistake there mistake there this needs to be better this needs to be better this needs to be better some games you just lose yeah I, if you I, play, I right and it's you. like sometimes you just you sometimes both I don't I don't come well. back I, I don't have you know my 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 point of saying is like I don't have a list like I did I get yeah, with, some, with some, like the sometimes. Utah loss or or the first rugby ETL loss uh or or their game against Nola uh yeah. last week 
Um, but what I do want to actually kind of look then, at while, is... While we're on it then, just because I did find it, it was almost the exact opposite, funnily enough. Uh, almost the exact opposite. Rugby ATL had the better lineup that day. Oh, it's so it's actually it's actually so close to being the exact opposite. Uh, rugby ATL was at ninety four percent with Toronto at seventy six. Yeah, and then on this weekend, Toronto had ninety four and rugby ATL was at seventy three. Oh, so it was almost it was almost the exact opposite. Um, That's impressive, actually. All right, well there you go. Good, good job, arrows. No, what I wanted to look at is 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 kind of where the arrows are at right now. I mean, next hmm. next week we will kind of uh, also talk about the bye week that they they've they, they're they're kind of going into because yeah. this is um, but the halfway this is this, point is, of this the is the halfway point of of the season, um, and a lot of people are pulling comparisons to their 2019 season, just in terms of just how the schedules worked. Yeah. Um, and it's their only really full season. So halfway through the season, the arrows were four and four in 2019. They are currently three and five. So one more loss um, compared to that season. Um, uh, Reddit user uh, oddball gentleman on MLR rugby sub thread uh, has been consistently posting playoff odds um, using a, uh, a program that he has kind of made himself. So again, take it with a grain of salt, but currently the arrows are in second last in the um, playoff picture. Now, again, in what, just the East, just the East. So and they're again, second last in the standings. Yeah. But it also shows um, like their, their, the rise in percentages based on like their, their wins and losses. Um, they stand at 17% um, compared to, and again, the, the, the gap is a lot, a lot um, smaller compared to the West. I mean, Nola is number one, and they're at fifty-eight percent chance of making the playoffs. So, you know, we if we go back to that uh, that see that um, that twenty nineteen season, very similar situation. I mean, Nola was at the top of the the standings, and they didn't even <laughs> make the playoffs, right? That's like so that true. was I forgot about that, right? Like they were. They were the well, king. Yeah, how's the year? It's like Nola was doing the LA thing. They were putting like 40 points up on everybody. Their problem though was they were also allowing 40 points. So the arrows aren't in a great situation right now. Like I think no one can can claim that. Um they can't claim that. They're talking about how this is a back against the wall moment. Yeah. Um th- this game against Houston is a must win, which in my opinion it is. If you drop the three and six, I don't you'd have to basically win out. You they basically have to win out now. Yeah, it's just, it's literally the same situation. This that it was in 2019. It's identical. You yeah. win. you get like they hit because they hit their their ninth game was against Nola. Nola, uh, they, Nola lost. Opener. they lost Nerf that game. And it, it was basically you need to win seven in a row. Yeah, to make the playoffs, and they did it. Yeah, it's it's just a much different situation, and I think that the league. I, especially the Eastern conference is a lot harder than what the league was like in 2019. See, I think how tight the East is. They're also now is what I'm looking at it as like, there's like no one, I like old glory can make the playoffs still like without, like, I think I'm not saying they're, I said they can, they can, Um, they could. And like, I, you know, like, well, you I think we're are, at that like, halfway point where I think we need to start getting more of a realistic picture. Yeah. Like and, 
Nola's come to terms the, with where the arrows are at right now. Yeah, Nola's at the top of the table because they tied. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. the only reason. They, and, it, and again, you won. It's because you didn't lose. Like, look back. Look back again. I'm going back to the sub threat from MLR. Look at the uh, the circle of parity. No, yeah, it's it's, it's hilarious. A, you know, amazing. like it's amazing. It's amazing. Like, so I think, I think that a lot of things can happen. I mean, again, Nola Nola's games um, have I think, most of them like, have been right close, now, except yeah. against Rooney. Like they they kind of throttled Rooney, but yeah. you know and. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like they're throttling Rooney, and it's like you know Toronto killed Rooney too, and then Rooney beats LA, and then like yeah, Toronto beat Seattle, or, and Seattle beat uh, yeah. Utah, and Utah beat Toronto. Like yeah, there no, are tons of little crazy. circles, and there's still teams that like they still haven't played Old Glory, they still haven't played the Free Jacks. Yeah, I think I think those are going to be two real big question marks that they've never played them before. Well, I think I think that's the kind of the big thing, though. It's like you kind of look at the standings right now, and I think we'll get a really clear picture of what it truly looks like after the Euros bye week, after everybody has a bye. But, like, sure. I mean, right now you have the Arrows are five points back of second, so you're only five points mm-hmm. out of a playoff spot. You're six points out of first. Like, that can swing fast. Um, we saw it. It's like the arrows have already done this once this year. They've gone from like last to first and now they're back down to fifth. Right. Like that's how much like they've swung in the standings already this year. Yeah, but the two ga- two losses in a row have really stung. Like yeah, they lost two games in a row at the start of the season too. And, yeah, and then back up the first. It's it's but at the same time. The East- I would be interested to see where, where the gap is in terms of points from where they when they had lost those first two to now. Because I, I Again, I feel like the gap is 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 getting a little bit wider. Um, I'm I listen. I'm not saying that they're done. I I, no, I don't no, want to say that. Perfect. I'm just saying that like it's the big thing know. is too though is it's like it's it's so weird the st- like the, the standings too where it's like you got New York at five two and zero oh, with somehow with minus thirty nine point differential. But <sighs> it's bizarre. And but then I mean Toronto Toronto at three forty two differential. Uh, that that one game against Nola really hurt them. That, that's a, it was like a 30 oh yeah that that game against 30 Nola points difference that game almost. against that game didn't help nola as much they're like they have the third highest point differential yeah like it's um i just think like i think i think the key thing though like all right if we were to i'm gonna pull up the arrow schedule here let's see what we got if you want to go with an outlook so the arrows we got houston by week at new england and then we got San Diego in Atlanta. Um, and then we got who are their who are their remaining Western Conference teams? It's San Diego and Austin. San Diego and Austin. Yeah, okay. So I mean like or Houston, San Diego, and Austin. Because okay, they, sure. I'm sorry, they, I was they thinking Houston this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Houston, San Diego, Austin. So I mean, like this week, you gotta beat Houston. I mean, you gotta beat everybody, but it's like I think are there are there are there the Western Conference thing, games, home games? Sorry. Are there their team their games against Western Conference teams? Are they home games or are they're they... uh, in Houston and in Austin, and then they got San Diego at home. Okay, um, so the big thing that they mentioned they mentioned is that they're looking forward to not having to travel as much as well. Yeah, I think the interesting thing with Euro schedule right now is that three of their next four games are against the Western Conference, and then yeah. to close out, and then. Yeah, and then you close out with um 
New England, and then you close out with uh, two games against New England. Two well, you got the, the game against New England's mixed into that three out of the next four. Yeah. Then you got you close out Nola, New York, Old Glory, New England. That's yeah. how the season ends. So, I mean, like the good thing is there though, like you can kind of. I think if you're looking at that schedule, like you're still fully in like your destinies in your hands, right? Like you go in, you put your, you have these three games against the Western Conference teams. You win those games, you can put yourself in a good position, and yeah. then you get to. You know, if you want to prove that you uh, deserve to be in the playoffs, what better way to do it than literally like run a gauntlet through the Eastern Conference and just knock off everybody one by one? Yeah, and who knows? Like every all the other teams could just go absolutely who knows cannibal on each other and just keep on the parity up, and no yeah, one no one is a clear front runner, right? Like that's like yeah, Nola could go on. A it's definitely like the West. I mean, <laughs> the West looks. I mean. LA, Utah, Austin in the West. Yeah, that's basically it. I mean, maybe uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? We also want to give one little shout out to a former arrow who uh won something over the weekend, or at least the team that he's a part of won. Uh Richie Asiata um left the team to join the, the Queensland Reds and uh and and the Reds won this weekend, which is pretty awesome for for Richie. Um for rugby champs. Congratulations, Richie. For um, that's cool. We miss we miss him. I think I think the arrows definitely miss him. <laughs> first first former arrow to win Super Rugby Championship. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. So that that was uh, exciting stuff to see. Okay, let's talk about this chaos of a weekend in MLR because it was just absolutely wild. Um, let's start with with Nola versus um, Houston, which was a really exciting game. You want to start with Nola versus Houston instead of the obvious game that we should start with as no LA. because I want to build we got to build into it. I'm going based on how the games happened. Nola barely held on 28-26 against the Sabercats. Um it was a pretty pretty close game, you know, carrying meters. Uh Nola had a bit more um Houston had to kick the ball a lot more had like 200 more meters kicked. Sounds like a Houston rugby game. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nola had 11 line breaks to uh, Houston six. Lineouts were pretty even. Penalties were pretty even. Even possession, 53 to 47. Um, Houston definitely had to make a lot more tackles, like 30 more tackles. Um, I think that you just uh, can contribute that to the way that Nola started the game and you know fed them their lunch for a little bit. Um, and they held Houston's most of the possession. Well, was below eighty. This was Houston's was seventy nine percent. It was like they had to make a lot of tackles, right. but they probably could have missed a lot more. Made a, made a couple more yeah. would have been beneficial. And, and at the end of the day, uh, Nola had sixty um, percent of the territory. So yeah. you know, like they 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 it it sucks that they kind of let it happen. They they pulled a Toronto and let the second half kind of come back and. Almost bite them in the arse. Um, almost got there. Almost got there. Um, and this is a really disappointing game for me because I really like Houston. I really like – I love Nick Boyer. I love him and Sam Windsor and, and Robbie Povey. They're kind of just this this hive mind offense. And you yeah, throw Taylor Howard in the, the silver uh, box. Yeah, Houston's offensive structure is kind of – I think we were kind of talking about it like – 
It's weird because it's like it almost feels like Sam Windsor plays fly half from while wearing a twelve jersey. And, and like then, my my question is like, why? Like, is it is it like you can play a lot more deceptive plays from a, a, a structure like that? I, like, I want to say it's like I don't know. I guess it's working for them, but I guess they're losing, so maybe it's not. But offensively, it's working great. They need to get a, a they need off, yeah like a, they need a defensive coach like to figure out what's going on with them. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. We saw Povey go back to fullback. Um, Povey had an absolute dime um, to Balakenya on his first try. Um, which Balakenya apparently didn't think was beautiful enough. So he was like, I'm going to do this crazy chip kick to myself. I have boy or chip kick boy over cover. Um, how did, yeah, Houston scored like two of the nicest tries on the weekend. Um, which I feel like is kind of like their thing. Eh? They the thing it's like when the, when Houston out. scores, it looks pretty. Which, at least. Like going back, like thinking about like kind of the way that they played in the previous seasons, it's like strong set piece and kick. Mm-hmm points like this is such a strange like change but even that though like windsor windsor's boot hasn't been as automatic as yeah we've come to expect i feel like it's kind of the interesting thing is i feel like every kicker's kick no, kicking percentage has uh been knocked a little bit since you don't get a you get nothing in front of the post it's uh, <laughs> those guaranteed kicks does yeah, it, like it, yeah. it, it's funny because it like it looks like it's like for the most part like it's kind of a little bit lower for everybody interesting um all right, well let's let's move on. Um, the Free Jacks versus uh, um, the Gil Gronies. I don't know about you, Derek, but this game is going to be for me another one of those Gil Grony games, especially from the beginning of the season, where it's like they did not take advantage of their opportunities, especially at the beginning of the game. Um, yeah, beginning of the game, end of the game, middle of the game. Like oh. they just did not take Ooh, man. Um, I think the one thing that kind of like stuck out for me from a Gil- Gilgroni perspective is oh my god, Mooneyham is amazing. Like oh yeah. Um yeah, like he's dude, like that guy's gonna that guy I, he's gonna get capped at some point. I would be really interested like, to see if if he goes to Dallas next year, like if Dallas says hey, ah, I mean, I don't know. Play for us. I mean, like I think th- it's th- not like Austin doesn't have enough facts. Trying to remember the stories around the draft. I think he wanted to stay in Texas or something, right? So, so I don't I mean maybe but, um, maybe maybe he goes back and there's three teams and, in Texas though, so I guess he's got options. Yeah, he's got um, options. But yeah, Anyways, I mean, it was dude, he he made some amazing plays, kind of just ball in hand down the wing. He looks good in defense. I know you were kind of talking about like Cole Davis maybe not playing as much, and it's like, well, this is why. Um, this this Mooneyham fellow. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, like, you got public on the other wing. Like Frank Halal has been hurt. I mean, I don't know. It, it just seems like it's just, even just kind of coming off the oh, bench. Maybe, it seems a little... yeah, maybe there's something about Dave yeah. that we just don't know. At this we point. don't know for sure. For um, sure. Um, yeah. yeah. And again, I think we also need to give, give credit where it's due for the free jacks. Um, you know, we, you mentioned it about rugby ATL. We tend to, to pick on the guys who don't do the thing, but instead we should probably maybe give credit to the people who did do the thing and the free jacks, managed to make some you know i mean 13 penalties to nine penalties for the free jack so they made uh uh, uh the Gilgronies make mistakes and i mean josh larson turning the ball over at the end of the game to win it i mean he's continuing to have a strong season um it's gonna be really interesting to see if he's still a part of kingsley jones's makeup for for uh rugby canada but um these are two teams that I really enjoyed 
like, you know, I've kind of asked to talk about them on the podcast because I enjoy watching both of these teams play, uh, you know, so. So, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so jo- Josh Larson, I think we're going to, we got to highlight the Canadian performances, right? Josh Larson had an unreal game. He had the, uh, you know, six, 16 tackles, which was the most in the game. He did it at a hundred percent. He was at a ton of breakdowns, really high work rate. And I, and he had uh, the breakdown steal at the end of the game to actually basically. I, I literally just said that. That means me you were not paying attention to what I said. <laughs> oh, it's because I'm looking at all the other stuff. Ah, Derek. Um, I do that too on my like other hockey podcasts or whatever. Guys complain. The other two guys complain that I do that all the time. <laughs> they'll, say, they'll say something and I'll just be like, I'll just repeat exactly what they said. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, oh, so, yeah. Dan, good point, man. There we go. Josh Larson. Oh, it, yeah. It was, it was a well. great. Um, what did you think of New England never engaging the mall? I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think that it's a gamble because, like, if they call if if they don't call your bluff and the, and then they just drive it down your throat, it's going to mm-hmm. be. I mean, obviously they won the game, so yeah, it worked. I, I think it's again, it's a little too risky for my taste. Yeah, see, like, I was just like, I don't like it just because I'm kind of like, that just seems like, like, I don't know. It almost just kind of seems like if, you, if you're worried that, like, you can't defend it almost. Yeah. It's almost like you're, you're concerned that you're not going to, like, or whatever. And then whoever they're going to play next is going to absolutely use them all to their advantage. Just because. Yeah, like, it, 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 almost, it almost strikes, like, but that's the other thing, though. It's like, I think you made a great point there. It's like, it's. It's weird. Like I, I, I don't really like it when teams like intentionally don't engage in the mall, um, just because it's like it almost feels just like a spirit of the game thing almost. But like at the end of the day, you're allowed to not do that. Yeah. And New England won, so yeah, I mean, won. It's uh, it's maybe not the most exciting tactic, but I, I guess it worked out for them. Um. Okay. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. I just. Uh, I, I feel like it's just one of those things that's like, yeah, I'd rather. I mean, New England's lineup percentage was 79. I don't know. Maybe there's just, I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> maybe they, I, I, I'm not even really sure. Like, it's just, it's like, just a Austin strange. had 90. It's just, I don't know. It was just kind of like, sometimes it's just kind of like, it's weird just watching guys stand still being like, I hope you bump into me. So it's obstruction. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know. Uh, okay, so Utah and Old Glory had a, a tri-fest. Um, As always. Well, I shouldn't say that. Really, they only scored, well, going, I don't think that's right. How many, do you have their, their stats up? Because to me, it says three tries for each team. And I, I feel like there was more than that going off of what the app says. But anyways, 34 to 33 was the final score. Um, Doug Fraser had a great game um, coming Utah back from injury. Had... Utah had three, uh, like four, uh, four ten Cruze, Whippy penalty try, and then uh, DC had Gibbons, Fanana, Schultz, Roberts, Tanana, and Frazier all got tries. Okay, so more than what the app says, but you know Frazier finished off uh, off a nice play, so it's great to see uh, Doug back, um, and and Luke Campbell also came off of the bench, so so great to see uh, some Kadeens back into the lineup for Old Glory. Just I like. Uh, right. I'm starting to really enjoy Luke Campbell being in lineouts near the microphones. Those are. If you haven't seen that, go back and watch those. Man, he's got some funny trying to throw the hooker off banter. <laughs> it's a good time. I would go go and watch it. Uh, you know, 
it's so interesting that the scoreline went went this way. I mean, the Warriors had 300 more meters. Yeah. Um, they held 63% of the possession and 60% of the territory. Like their defense was not great. If that was the, those were the stats and old glory was able to score that many points. I mean, they, they only gave up like Utah only gave up five penalties compared to old glory's 14 and old glory only gave up old glory only gave up six or uh, Utah only gave up like six line breaks. Tackle percentage is 83. Like it's not, I mean, 83, you probably want that to be a little bit higher, but it's not like miserable. No, so I'm saying, like, what did the Utah Warriors defense do to give up so many tries? There's so many points. Efficient. It's a, it's a, that, that is some damn efficient offense from. I mean, that's, that's the way, like, that's the way, you know, Old Glory plays, though, right? If they, they roll off of Tusatala and Robertson being able to get you the, you know, quick ball out of the, uh, out of every spot, I guess so. to catch you off your, off balance. It was off your feet, right? mighty damn impressive. All right. The big one, the the the, the one that, that shook the world of MLR, the guillotines finally have lost, and they and, and ru- ru- ruining brackets around, <laughs> ruining brackets. Uh, MLR uh, losing regular 18. season MLR brackets. Is that a thing? Yeah, like the the super brew, the pickums. Oh yeah. Oh, true. Is that a bracket though? Do we call that brackets? I don't know. Tournament competition. Whatever. I don't know. Um, we we picked this game wrong. The Toonie got it wrong. Oh, the Toonie, everyone got it wrong. Um, no, Matt McCarthy, gotta give him the shout out. If the guy from New York, yeah, who hey, broadcasts for Rooney, got pick Rooney. What? Hey, he still said they'd beat him. So he I mean, did. hey, good for good for good for. You know what? Mike. If it's not, you gotta give the man credit for sticking by the boys and believing in them, at the very least. So good for him. Well done. Yeah. Good for, also yeah, did a good job calling this game. It was entertaining. Yeah, I liked it. it was good. I, I'm, you know what? I like. I really have enjoyed seeing that broadcasting crew kind of move yeah, along throughout the season. Enjoying, yeah, the New York broadcast. Love, love the setup, the kicking. I laughed so hard when she missed that kick in at the halftime show, and like she's just like it's just this hilarious like swearing moment where they bleeped it. It was so funny. Oh, I don't think I, don't I, I don't think I watched that. Uh, it was funny. It was, it was a good talk. Go She's it. like, Dan Holling said, teaching her to kick. And like, she absolutely just toes it and just goes kind of straight. Ooh. She goes, ah, sh-, and like kind of swears. It was funny. That's funny. Um, um But well, yeah, like Dan Holland said, apparently a good person to teach you how to kick though. Yeah, man. He scored all of, of uh, rugby, um, rugby United New York's points. Tough game for for the Guillotinis. I mean, people talk about the weather, but at the end of the day, I think Rooney just did a lot to frustrate them, and and they made mistakes. And the weather is the same for Rooney. Yeah, they, and really, Rooney had had sixty percent of the territory, had fifty three percent of the possession. So they they but had that's not that's out. not super unusual though, because like the Guillotinis have been winning games while not having, you know, the lion's share of possession or territory. Yeah, but they've like, just been they, like they're attacked. Five. They only had five line breaks compared to. They normally have like double or sometimes triple oh, that. Oh no, no, yeah, for sure. It's like the attack. I think that's that's a pretty telling stat there. Yeah. And, and no, the tackles. Man. They Rooney. almost had to make two hundred tackles against Rooney. Yeah, Ro- Rooney's defense showed up, man. Like, and yeah, well, LA's defense is also really good. Yes, I think I mean, the stat that they didn't shows give up a LA, try. LA's defense is good in this game. Yeah, exactly. No tries, right? Um, 
LA too, man. Like a hunt, they had um 90% tackles made again. They're over 90. Like it's I think like the interesting thing in this game is it's like LA's defense was good. New York couldn't score on LA. Like New York took advantage of the penalties that LA gave up, right? It's like LA yeah. and you know, fair play to being able to recognize like your game plan and your strategy and just be like, all right, if they give up a penalty and Holland sends a range, we'll go for points. And that worked out really well for them. Um, but like, I don't think you're going to win a whole, like, I don't think there's going to be too many other games this year where you can win that way, where LA loses to a team that doesn't score a try. Um, for sure. But I think we gotta, we gotta, we gotta mention also mention our boy DTH for scoring another really nice try. I mean, DTH is is, there's people just for that league lead. He's like, people are like, please come back from. Please come back to Canada. Please play some international rugby just because he's playing so well. He's having the time of his life. And I think part of that is also look at the team is kind of surrounded in the the, the playmakers that he's with. You know, I don't think that you're going to get something like that in uh, with rugby Canada. So there's, there's only so many Matt Gittows and Addy Ashton Coopers and yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Like there's another just Ryan James, Lindsay Stevens too. Like with the, uh, the little into Canadian link up in that, uh, the build. Also I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. He's been playing really well. And I, but I feel like do people not like talking about him because he's, you know, just kind of recently announced he's Canadian eligible. I always see people talk about like lineups and stuff like that. And when they're talking about Canadian players, they never mention him. So I, I don't know. I always find that interesting. So if someone can privately message me and and, and and explain that to me. I think that he had a great game. I love I that. Uh, he gets capped though. Does he, or has does he have a cap? I don't, I don't think he does. Um, but it's like yeah, he he's got an American and an Australian passport. I mean, he's not making the Wallabies, but there's he's got some options for him anyways. But I think he said he wants to play for Canada. Um, so that's where I kind of go off of. Um, and I mean yeah, like I think he's playing well. I yeah. think like Quatrain and Howard. I've kind of emerged as like these are the hookers for Canada going forward. Yeah, and um, it's been really interesting seeing Howard not start as much for for Nola as well. So Paddle Tools playing playing damn good. Playing, I mean, it, yeah, he he's he's a pretty yeah, uh, on par player. I just think I think his performance against Toronto it's very I thought, good. I, w- I thought that he's think starting spot. Dude, honestly, in a weird way, I think the Canadian guys, you know, step are asking a little bit please, on please, Toronto. Please. Yeah, please. I want to start against Toronto. Please. Yeah, no, well, not like even Corey there. Thomas started against Toronto. Sorry, Corey Thomas started against Toronto. Yeah, and the guilty. Well, Corey played. Thomas has been starting a lot of games for LA, anyways. Yeah, um, that's another name that could probably get into the uh, the rugby Canada yeah. mix too. Um, I think though the one thing that really jumps out at this game, if you're kind of looking for some stats to be like, you know, where did like rugby united new york kind of helped win this game and the one the one trademark um i think of the la guiltinis this season has been how would you describe their play dan if you had to use like electric like if we're on one word like electric okay i was gonna spontaneous i was looking for fast oh okay i was looking for fast but electric i like electric that was good um but like yeah like they play really fast harrison goddard Obviously, you know, he really likes he can does an amazing job of getting the ball out quick. 
the LA Giltini's quick ball percentage in this game out of the ruck was 46, Whew. which is a stark contrast from what they're used to. Um, so shout out to Nate Brakely, who apparently just teleports from ruck to ruck <laughs> um, like a madman. Um Cause uh, you know he he re- he he wreaked a lot of havoc at the breakdown, man, and caused a lot of problems for LA trying to do what they want to do and getting the ball out quickly. And like it was just it, no one's ever no one's really been able to do that to LA yet, which I thought was interesting. And you know I think that was a, that was a big reason why why they you know they were able to come out on on top in the game is because you know LA wasn't able to play the brand of rugby that they're, they're accustomed to playing and that they would typically, you know, that they typically would want to play. Right. Yeah. You know? B- b- yeah. So Brakely, Brakely just for fun stats had 46, 46 total ruck arrivals in this game. Um, that's, that's crazy. Oh, that's not even like his best. M- I don't even think that's the most he's ever hit. In no, our game either. Um, yeah. He had that. And then, he had, yeah, and then he had he had two breakdown steals mixed in nine tackles for his efforts too. Um, pretty pretty nuts. Quinn Nawadi, like we said, he already he he had um another solid game himself. Lots of carry meters. Um, DTH Vandermeer also had a ton of carry meters too. Um, Lindsey Stevens had a lot of ball carries, so he like just just carries and the sheer number of carries i mean he's a hooker so the meters meters from a hooker aren't necessarily that high um i think the interesting thing with this game though too was i mean maybe it's maybe it was part of nate brakely and stuff doing you know nate brakely and like hermesize and those guys just doing some damage at the breakdown um but la kind of wasn't really contesting breakdowns when they were on defense that much like throughout the course that of the- prioritizing the, you know, the, the, the defensive line. Yeah. Like they kind of did that. And, you know, the, the-, the one thing though, like, and it's like, they kind of did that. And I was like, yeah, like maybe, you know, it's a strategy thing early in the game. Um, But I was like, what I was really surprised with when it's like, when it got down to the end of the game, like with like a minute or two left and LA's down by two and New York had the ball, they still weren't like counter rooking. At the end it's got to be like that. Maybe their confidence is 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 in dominant tackles and making maybe making a turnover there yeah, instead gotta, of at, like, the, at the ruck. You would you would think though with like knowing there's a minute left, like you have to try to get the ball at some point, right? Like yeah. you would you, you can't like do you really just do you want to just rely on like hopefully hey hopefully New York drops this with when we hit them hard? Yeah, like, I mean the, the, like the weather just, conditions weren't think, the best. Was, maybe there is hoping on sloppy play. I don't know. It, it, you're, well, that is a really interesting kind of point, Derek. But, I, but I, like, I think like you compare that to what Atlanta did to Toronto, where it was like, oh, we got 30 seconds to get the ball back. First ruck. Everybody's, everyone's over. Everybody's in it. Yeah. yeah. For, 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 right. And like that, and that worked out well for them. Um, it's just I don't know. I, like, Let's not bring that up again. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm not oh, trying to bring that up. I hear I, you. Yeah. I thought that that was good. That was. I mean, that was end of the game it was good nice call to go for uh go for the uh the line out too instead of the the points but la never got that opportunity i feel like la would be one of those teams that would go for tries too at the end of the game i did oh I sh- we shouldn't have brought it back up i did really like that call from scott or from matt heaton though that was good 
don't don't go for ties, man. Go for wins. It's it's nice. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about the last game of the weekend. Um, Seattle uh, got their first home win of the season, mm-hmm. uh, beating a uh, decrepit San Diego team twenty-one to fifteen. I mean, yeah. it was a pretty close game in terms of. I mean, like possession was. F- San Diego had 51% of the possession, 54% of the territory. Seattle had to make more tackles. Um, mm-hmm. The only big thing is San Diego had to get, uh, conceded more penalties, um, did not win as many lineouts as Seattle. And, and, and like, <laughs> it was a really close game. Cause I mean, the, the only other outliers is uh, Seattle had 30 more meters carried. Yeah. Um, the big, the big difference I, f- I think I saw was in the difference between the new fly halves. Um, yeah. Alan, uh, uh, Timu for, uh, Seattle. I mean, he was the 10 of the week, um, seemed a lot more in control of his kicking and just his, his, and also his passing distribution. And, and both of these tens were big boys. Like they were like, you felt some of the, the impacts that, that uh, they were making against each other. And also, um, and maybe that might just be part of the conditioning. You know, both of these guys hadn't really played it a long time. Um, I'm just pulling up the lineup for the Legion. Um, Ty Inosa, you know, like it was, uh, I really feel for San Diego because they've got the pieces, you know, Cecil Africa, uh, Ryan uh, Mateus, Bjorn Bassoon has been a lot of fun to watch. Even guys like Cameron Clark, you know, he had the captain jersey now, and Kyler Denishin um, has been a, a saving grace. Man, that He's is... been a saving grace for them. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that is. And I like Larson. So I think Larson. The Jackals aren't playing. There's no team that is happier about the yeah. Jackals not playing than San Diego right now, especially um, with Augsburger out. I like. I liked. Like I think Larson was fine at eight. I think Tom Allow is still a better option at eight. Um, I oh, yeah. liked Michael. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Michael Smith had a, had a good game. He had, he. I think he had a good game. Smith Smith had a good game, but he did give up a lot of penalties. Though. Yeah, like, personally gave up a lot of penalties. Yeah. Um, some of them, like some of them, are like you know, like not releasing, which is, you know, that just might be again like a good defensive player, just like hey, wrong yeah. place, wrong time, whatever. Um. What I'm really some happy with is some of that... them were like incorrect, like mall entries or ruck entries from the yeah. side and stuff too. So I mean, so just young, young yeah. So it's like you, you'd probably like to clean that up. I think you probably from your like a flanker too. You maybe want to see a bit of a higher tackle number, get a, a little bit more involved. But um, you know, he got a, he got the full eighty minute shift though. So you know, hope, hopefully you get more of those. Hopefully. I think a lot of this is, is it, it's talk, all talk to um, his buddy, Chris, a little bit, get some. Yeah. And uh, until Rob Shaw is until, like, honestly though, until Rob Shaw's um, back, yeah. if, he, if he does come back, I mean, he's training and, 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 and rehabbing. So I mean, who knows? Uh, but this is uh, an interview. This is an audition to see yeah. if who they're going to roll with post their, you know, uh, got some of the guys starting to come back. So hopefully Michael can uh, in, impress a little bit more yeah, um, uh, for the Seattle side of the hashtag now, though, now that he's been, been freed. Yeah, no. Um, keep, keep, keep playing Mike Michael Smith. Smith. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, for Seattle, for me, Derek, I'm really, really, really happy with Ross Neal being on the wing. Um, yeah, it's been working out. Huh? You no, know, I said I said that Ross Neal would be my. Um, I don't, I don't remember if I said that he'd be my newcomer. My I think he said oh, I said he he played my MVP. MVP. I think you called him as MVP. We're gonna my, revisit that soon, by the way. We will. We will ne- next week. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that um he would have the biggest impact for his team. And you know what? I didn't see it when he was playing center. I'm really seeing it on the wing. And not only is he scoring tries, but I think that he's just having a, a good all around uh a season. Um, unfortunately, Sears Duru had to pull out the last minute with injury. Um, I think Jake Ilnicki coming on had had a good game. No other Canadians, though. No other Canadians. I, I don't know what's going yeah. on with uh, Nakai Penny. Uh, that that's an interesting situation with me. I don't know if he's hurt or what, but um, yeah, it was great to see Ben La- Landry. Yeah, I, it's great to see Ben Landry uh, back in MLR and, and playing mm. with the SeaWolves. I really like watching Ben play. Yeah, sorry. I'm just thinking, I'm looking at the lineup. I mean, like, what does Tommy Clark have over, over Nakai Penny? You know, Nakai Penny was was like playing the, out of his brains last season. So hopefully, yeah. it, you know. Duratalo's good. Um, you know, Eric Deschel, like, I mean, he's, he's always been a big impact player for them off the bench, too. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I still don't know if, like, even even Deschel can make much more of an impact in a game than Nikai Penny can. Yeah, I don't know. You're talking about a guy who's going to go into a ruck and, and make a big turnover or, or carry yeah, some be, meters. It'd be, or It'd be interesting. I think that'll be... Like that'll be an interesting thing too coming up for uh, some Canada camps. I think like before the season started, I think we were talking about, you know, if Penny can get into that discussion and, you know, not playing as much as he had, like playing and with the with the recent play of Heaton and Rumble. But it's like you kind of you kind of bounce that off with like you look at like Rumble. Um, it's probably been arguably one of. Well, I wouldn't argue it. People might argue against me saying this, but Rumble's been the best player in the league. And like Heaton's playing excellent too. Like there's, you know, there's there's a lot of guys at that position. Like the guys that he would have to compete with at that position are playing like really out of their mind. Really well. <laughs> yeah. So it's like good. Um, and I mean, even like even you kind of mix in too, like Mike Smith, you know, Mike Smith's you know, if if he gets more playing time, it's like we'll see how much he improves too. And like, you know, um, you're going into like maybe even more back rows. Kilani, like, who I, when he comes, I just I want him to play so badly. Like so badly. I know that's. <laughs> I yeah. Badly. Apparently, apparently he's close. Apparently, hopefully, hopefully we'll see him soon. Hopefully. Um, um but yeah. Going back to to Seattle, um, I liked Kieran Joyce coming in. Yeah, he's been uh, at the twelve. You know, I think he's been playing good at the 10 jersey. He's been kind of serviceable for them. Yeah. Um, that's but at 12, injuries. you can definitely see. I think at 12, you really see that that's his more preferred yeah. position. Seaman. He likes running with that ball. I like what I saw of AJ uh, Alatamiu. Um, you know, I think the funny funny little stat is that he had two breakdown steals and on his four ruck arrivals. So he's 50, 50 baby with the, with the line of the breakdown oh, steals picks his spots. Well, exactly. Um, so yeah, 
Good game for, for Seattle. God, is that bye week coming fast enough for for San Diego? They got one more game. The rest of those oh, man, yeah. They need, body. They need the 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 injury update that uh that was um, Brian Ray that keeps on pulling just, up is oh my gosh. heartbreaking. It's it's like those sad Everybody. like commercials with puppies for like I was impressed. I was impressed, man. I thought, like, especially Brian Ray did that on Twitter, which probably could have saved some characters by just naming the guys that aren't hurt. But <laughs> all right, Derek, let's go into our our next round of predictions. Um, mm-hmm. Going into this week, we all kind of this week kind of took us all for a for a loop. Uh, you are currently sitting at twenty two twenty and one. Yeah, I didn't have a good week. No, uh, who did? But nobody, who- nobody did. Yeah, um, if you did, the, you're lying. I don't believe you. The stew is eight. Unless you're Matt 20. McCarthy, because you picked. Actually, Stu, I, I think Stu had the best. I think he had the best out of all of us. Stu. Oh, what was he? Three and three. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think he was five hundred. Um, so he is eighteen twenty four and one. I am the opposite of you. I'm twenty twenty two and one. Uh, and the Toonie is finally at. 500 it's an 11 11 oh well toonie slipping toonie took san diego so after you chirping us about how we were losing to the toonie yeah you still are we still are it's just the 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 the, the <laughs> gap is closed um i mean shall, shall we let the people see what Stu and the toonie pick first then yes of course we've got a little bit of a video fantastic mr Stu hardy has uh recorded a little bit of a bit for Alright guys, another week where I'm not here, but these are my predictions. So, game one, the Legion versus the Gold. Even though the Legion are now much closer to the home, I'm still going to say it's not the Gold. I think Legion, what they really need is a bye week more than anything else. Okay, game two, Houston versus Toronto. Now, Houston will be very bitter after that 2020 fixture where they could have won it at the death, but was held up over the line. And even though Houston have been playing much better this season, I'm still going to be back in the arrows. I think they will be very hard done against the uh, Rugby ATL. So they'll be wanting to go into their bye week with something on the positive side. So I am backing the arrows. Austin versus New York. Now New York obviously got a big victory against LA. However, this is Austin. It's at home. And Austin's defense has just been fantastic. I think a lot of the reason why New York was able to do so well was utilizing the elements at Cochrane Stadium. And I don't think it'll be the same at Bold. So I'm going to be back in Austin. Uh, ATL versus the Free Jacks. Now, this one I am a bit on the fence about. I think this one's going to be a really close contest. But I think the advantage is going to be with the actual home team, Atlanta. Um, I think New England will put up a good fight, but I think it's uh, the Rattlers will take this one. And now we have the big game at SoFi Stadium. It's the Giltinis versus the Warriors. And I think home advantage, even though it isn't technically their home, will benefit Los Angeles the most. Utah, I'm hoping, will put in a strong performance, but I think LA are also going to really want to show that they still have the capability to win games after their loss last week. So I'm going to be backing LA. 
And finally, DC versus Seattle. Now, DC obviously have been on a losing streak as of late, but this is their first home game in three weeks. So I think that they're going to have the edge. Seattle, while they did win their most recent game, I think DC are a much stronger team, much more put-together team. And until we see all these big new names coming in for Seattle, I don't see them winning any of these games anytime soon. So I'm going to be back in DC. But I know you don't really care about my opinion. The one opinion you do care about is the Toonie. So we're going to do the same thing again. Heads for home, tails for away. So, Legion versus Gold. The Toonie is backing the Gold. Houston versus Toronto is going the way of Houston. Austin versus New York is going for New York. ATL versus the Free Jacks. And they are backing Rugby ATL. LA versus Utah. Ah, controversial. Going with Utah. And finally, DC versus Seattle. Is going the way of DC. So, those are my picks. Those are the Toonies picks. Make of that what you will. So, Derek, so the first game we have is the Nola Gold versus the San Diego Legion. Um, I mean, Nola. Yeah, um, it's like, oh man, this this roster is just so injury depleted. Like, uh, I I just I just don't. Oh man, I just feel bad bad for them really at this point. Yeah, it's. A I mean, tough I gotta one. go. Yeah, I gotta go. I think you gotta go Nola on this. It's, and Nola, Nola's kind of riding high. They've had two close wins. They're probably feeling good. Yeah, they're at uh, home too, right? No, oh. it's in it's in. San oh, Diego. it's in San Diego. Ooh, interesting. Ah, ah still, still Nola. Ah, ah yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll probably feel bad when San Diego wins on the weekend, but. <laughs> All right, Toronto versus Houston. Toronto, always Toronto. Yeah, you know what? I, uh, I probably if... gonna be. I hope Houston wears yellow because it'll probably be the best jersey matchup of the season if they do. If uh, if Houston had won that game against, um the the uh warriors i feel more confident in houston you know a little bit more fired up of, of a team but i think that loss pretty much stung them hard so i'm gonna go with toronto even though it's you were gonna go home. toronto anyways i don't know <laughs> that last that 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 last game hurt me so i don't know well, all right uh rooney versus austin this is in austin this is, this a, is tough a fun one. one. But yeah, a this is a toughy matchup. Uh, I'm going to go with Austin. I will. If, oh man. 
if, if their defense shows up like it did against LA, and I mean, I, I know people are all, you know, people, some people are quick to, to point out that it wasn't necessarily the best LA roster that they could have put out there either. Um, but you know what? Uh, if their defense shows up like that, if Nate Brakeley decides he's going to hit 147 rucks, then um, yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I think I'll back Rooney in this one. Okay. Okay. See, well, listen, I, see if somebody can actually look like they're they're capable of pulling away in the East. Yeah, this is uh yeah, exactly. Um okay, this is this is going to be a really important game, especially for the East. New England versus Rugby ATL. Both coming off of very uh impressive game and wins. Who's That's at home? I believe it is Rugby ATL. Hmm. Who have just announced that they're going to have fifty percent fans, fifty percent capacity fans. Nice. Um, that's good. Good for them. Glad to see the fans starting to pop back up. In. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I gotta go with rugby ATL in this one. I think um, I'm thinking I like rugby ATL too. And also, if they lose, I might feel a little bit better about it. I mean, I I just think um, one of those win-win situations. Yeah, like I think it's it's uh. Like their defense, I think was really impressive. I like the way that Scott Lawrence has his team playing right now. It's yeah, I've been doing a lot of that that line speed. It'll be interesting to see like Austin or um like the Free Jacks attack against that line speed. Yeah, be interesting to see how they handle that too. Yeah, because Harrison Boyle Fife handles that. Yeah, Harrison Boyle is is a fly half who is not afraid to go into contact. Yeah, so he's a bigger boy. I think that's one of the things that kind of like really had a little bit of a hamper wonder, at the first half like, with the arrows is Adams is a little bit smaller of a guy and you know, he's, he's jukey and he's quick, but like the, the contact sometimes is a little bit more dominant just because of the size. Yeah. I'd be interesting to see how Harrison Boyle handles it as being yeah. a bigger fly half. See if, see if guys like Reda Lingheis and Momsen let you get away with not engaging in the mall too. <laughs> yeah. They, if any, any of the teams in the MLR, they are going to be the one that's going to say, Hey, we are absolutely going to shove it down your throat. Yeah. Not going to contest. All right. Contest this. <laughs> Okay, um, another really interesting game. Uh, two of the top teams in the West, Utah versus LA. I mean, I, I, despite them losing, I still think you're we're still in that territory of like, why would you ever pick against LA? I don't know, man. LA or Utah people? has had some really good wins. Uh, then, then Boss against, pardon me. Then pick Utah. Budge. Uh, here's the thing here's the thing is i i've been i've been kicking myself because i've been picking games where i want one team to win and it might not have been always the most like logical answer oh lo- logic will always be la let's just yeah but what does my gut tell me shoot i'm gonna pick la because then the next game i might go with my heart all right last game oh maybe not uh, okay, last game is Seattle versus Old Glory in DC with an earlier start time. It's going to be like one or twelve PM uh, Eastern time, but like it's going to feel like nine for Seattle. Yeah, another early start, um, cross country travel. Hopefully Seattle kind of getting the short end of the stick on some of these games. Sorry. Yeah, but then they're going to be like the arrows where they're going to have. Almost all their games are going to be home games for the rest. Yeah, and of the they season. should they should start playing those at like nine p.m. Pacific time. You know, put every oh, uh, yeah, put every every team to see. Us? All right, Eastern yeah. Conference teams that come play us. Yeah. Let's let's go ten o'clock 
kickstart. They p- p- play like New York and have like, you know, guys start taking naps at halftime because it's like <laughs> 1 a.m. now. Everyone's getting espresso shots at halftime. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, who are you picking here? This is a... Oh, man. I think I got to go with Old Glory just because... Mm-hmm. The super early start time, which I mean, I guess is something that West Coast teams got to deal with anyways, but super early start time. And unless it's L.A. too, like the West has not been successful against the East. No. And I guess that's kind of got We talked about it last week. I kind of got ruined this weekend too. I think I actually still have them. Yeah. That kind of got ruined this weekend too because New York beat L.A. So yeah, it throws that wrench in. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, Derek, that's all I got for tonight, buddy. Um, thank you for for sitting down and talking some uh, rugby with me. Um, if you no folks problem. are looking, happy to talk about some curling too that I definitely did not watch. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, actually, so before we end, actually, really interesting thing is you couldn't have watched it. Oh so wow! Like, like ten people from the broadcasting team tested positive. Oh no way! So like for oh, almost all the games, I think you could only have watched three of Canada's games. Oh, they just put a, put a, got the one healthy guy to put a camera on a tripod. And no, like it was basically, they had the social media manager for Curling Canada updating the games. Oh, wow. So like you could not watch any of the games that week. So, so even if you wanted to, Derek, and you say it sarcastically, you wouldn't have been able to because of COVID. Fair enough. All right. Well, listen, folks, if you want to listen to more uh, episodes of Rouge Rugby where I talk about curling or I don't talk about curling, it's up to you. Uh, you can find them on all of our social media um, pages. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel where we post these on uh, video format. If you just want to look at our beautiful faces and our unshaven faces and our bad pandemic haircuts, do so at your own pleasure. Um, and also while you're there, please leave us a review on all your podcast platforms on YouTube. Let us know what you want to see more of. Um, we're kind of going into the last game before the era, uh, the arrows bye week. And hopefully we and the team can uh, finish off this half of the season on a high and then get some rest. 